0: I sure hope that you are as encouraged as I am by what you're witnessing this morning as you watch these young lives stand forward and grab a hold of some of the most durable and eternal things that we have to say these prayers, to lead these creeds, to sing these songs, to invite us to worship, to invite us into fellowship with one another. Can we celebrate this senior class? And, and the fact that we realized that they have had to go through one of the most disruptive events of a generation. And so for them, school being pushed to online or school canceled whatsoever, and you know having to do youth group outside instead of inside and all of the different hoops. And one of the things that I remember one of our college counselors saying to me is that this class will have spent more time in high school in different COVID protocols than they did in regular high school. And so when you think about uh, back to kind of your high school experience to thinking of that the majority of your high school experience was not normal, that is what these seniors have had to endure. There was a Wall Street Journal article this week that said this was the craziest and most competitive year of applying for college in the history of college applications. And so it has been difficult, has it been difficult? Has it been a challenge? Yeah, it it has. And we're so proud of this this group of people. One of the things that's changed over the years is that you and I carry a high definition camera in our pockets. You need to know that, and and y'all were too young to even know this, I actually remember walking into a phone store in 2005, having to upgrade my little flip phone, and them trying to upsell me on one that had a camera in it. I remember looking at the clerk and saying, why on earth would I want a camera in my phone? And now if you were to look at my iCloud storage, you would see thousands and thousands of thousands of high resolution pictures all taken from my phone. And one of the things that's happened is that the phone camera has gotten better and better and better and better. And it's not just one camera, it's multiple cameras that enable us to do things that you never thought that were possible. So a couple of years, uh, we took a photo like this one of my favorite gelato store. This is our youngest daughter Ashby's hand. Of down at Pont City Market, honeysuckle gelato. Anybody want to offer a prayer of thanksgiving right now? <laughs> or how about this picture when I was with a team of people from Africa in Malawi? Just a picture of the corner of the hut with the countryside of, it, of Africa in the background. Or this picture from being in France of just one name at the American Cemetery in Normandy. Or this picture here, the most important graduate of 2022, (laughs) Danica Conwisher. You see, these pictures have gotten better and better over time because they're not just one picture, they're actually multiple pictures. The camera is doing all different kinds of computations and with different lenses. And with those multiple pictures, it makes a better portrait. And one of the more consistent things that people have shared with me as we've been on this journey of quest, as we've been reading the Bible together, is that oftentimes we read Bible stories just in isolation, one picture at a time. But as we have been expanding our portfolio of pictures, as we've been looking at different biblical snapshots along the way, all of a sudden we're seeing different things and we're going to see that this morning. Let me remind you that in this quest journey, we are talking about on that kind of fourth point down there in kingdom. We're in that section where we're talking about King David and you can't talk about King David without the complexity of lots of different pictures, because there are times when David was at his best and there are times when David was at his worst. I'm going to invite Ava to come forward and she's going to share with us a scripture. The first scripture you're going to hear about is David, when he was right after a significant victory, exhibits an extraordinary kindness to a young man, Mephibosheth. Congregation, say Mephiboshesh. Mephibosheth? Easy for me to say. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Say it again Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Awesome. Ava. Show us how it's done. Okay.
1: David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? <laughs> Sorry. Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. "'Where is he?' the king asked. Ziba answered, "'He is at the house of Maccar, son of Amiel in Lodabar.'" So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Maccar, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, "'Mephibosheth, at your service,' he replied. "'Don't be afraid,' David said to him, "'for I, sure, I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan.'" I will, st- I will restore you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, "What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me?"
0: Let's pause right there for a moment. I don't want you to no go anywhere yet. I don't want you to miss what's going on here. Mephibosheth was Jonathan, David's best friend, son of King Saul. King Saul tried to have King David killed over and over again. Jonathan and David have this incredible friendship. Jonathan is dead, King uh, Saul is dead, David has experienced this extraordinary victory. Mephibosheth is injured when he's five years old, both of his legs have become lame as a result. You need to understand in that society that was an act of great shame and so Mephibosheth was discarded to the margins, pushed to the edge. And on the heels of this great victory, over and over again, four times in this story, God tells Mephibosheth that he's going to eat forever at his table. He restores his land. This is one of the most extraordinary acts of kindness in the Bible. And it is followed by one of the greatest falls from grace. So this next story that Ava's gonna read is after David and Bathsheba were again at the height of his power David doesn't go off to war like he's supposed to. He stays behind. He's enticed by standing on his roof and by peeking and sneaking and watching Bathsheba bathe. As a result, he tries to have Uriah killed, sends him off to war and is eventually successful with that. And David's best friend, Nathan, is about to dangerously confront the king with the truth of his affair
1: the Lord sent Nathan to David when he came when he came to him he said there were two men in a certain town one rich and the other poor the rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle but the poor man had nothing except one, ew, one little ewe lamb he had bought he raised it and it grew up with him and his children it shared his food drank from his cup and even slept in his arms it was like a daughter to him now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger, anger against this man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are this man, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul.
0: This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Can we thank Ava for reading scripture this morning? And in order to illustrate these two pictures coming together... I want to invite four seniors to come forward. And so Brody, Olivia, George, and Danica, if they'll come forward, and will you welcome them at this time? (laughs) So what we get to witness in these two stories is the best of David and the worst of David back-to-back, what give us an incredibly realistic picture of the way that life works, the way that... um, that this is, this is real, like if you were, if you were making up a story to, to make the king look good, you probably wouldn't include these stories uh, about David. And so I'm excited to share these stories with you. First, will the four of you just please introduce yourself, tell us where you uh, are at school, and uh, if you know where you're going to school, that kind of thing. Uh,
2: I am Brody Russell, I am a senior at Holy Innocence, and I will be attending TCU in the fall.
3: My name is Olivia Shermkowski. I'm a senior at North Atlanta High School, and I still don't know where I'm going to college yet.
2: Uh, I'm
4: George Ray. I also go to Holy Innocence, and next year I'll be going to the University of Virginia.
5: I'm Danica Commisher. I go to Holy Innocence, and I will be attending the University of Georgia in the fall.
0: Where's the cheering? Come on. Aren't you proud of this group? Proud of, uh, so so proud of, of this group. Okay, so in this first picture, we get to see an extraordinary act of God's kindness. And just to keep you on your toes, we're not gonna go in any particular order. George, I'm gonna start with you. When have you seen an act of extraordinary kindness?
4: Yeah, so an act of kindness that I've seen was my Young Life leader, John Gattuso. He came to every one of our church league basketball games this year Uh, We weren't very good, we only won a couple games, but he was there despite having a job and a wife and every time he would come and oftentimes he would sit by himself, he was our only fan, but he was there every time (laughs) cheering us on and telling us how great we played even when we probably didn't play all too great. That's great. Olivia, what about you?
3: Um, So a few, like a year or so ago I was doing driver's ed and so part of driver's ed is you drive in like the driver's ed car with your instructor and so we were like driving down the street. We stop at a red light, and the guy next to me rolls down his window. And I was like, uh-oh, like, have I done something wrong? Like, this isn't good. And he rolls down his window, and he turns, and he goes, you're doing great! I'm so proud of you! And he, like, points to my instructor, and he goes, you have to make sure she passes. Like, she's doing good. She needs to pass. Um, and that was very random, but obviously <laughs> it stuck with me to this day. And I did, in fact, pass my driver's test, and I'd like to think it was because of him. So,
0: Very nice. Brody, you go next. All right, so in
2: seventh grade, I was at Dick's Sporting Goods trying to, like, reuse, like, these uh, gift cards I got for my birthday. Um, I was wearing flip-flops, going up the escalator. It was broken, so I had to walk up it, and uh, Clumsy Me trips up it and, like, shreds my leg. Um, So I'm like, Dad, I'm fine. He's like, no, you are not fine. We need to go to the hospital. Um, But I'm like, no, let's go to, like, my friend Coleman's dad. He's a uh, surgeon. So we go there. He's like, yeah, you need stitches. So me and my dad, we head to the ER, but unknown to us, he's actually calling ahead to his friend who's a plastic surgeon um, and trying to like get me in there as quick as possible, get my leg cleaned up so it doesn't get infected and get me stitched up. I ended up getting 42 stitches in my right leg. So I'm very thankful he was able to call in to like, get the plastic surgeon who did a great job and I was not, did not get an infection in my leg.
0: Yeah. 42 stitches. Wow. Danica, how about you?
5: So, my story of kindness also occurs in a hospital. When I got sick and had to be hospitalized, there was a woman who is a member of this church who drove all the way to the parking lot of the hospital multiple times while I was there just to sit there and pray for me.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's worth clapping about, right? (laughs) so God's kindness finds ways to kind of pierce in our lives in a, in a variety of, of capacities And the image at the core of the story of David that is so amazing to me is that here is this lame, discarded um, person that David says, you'll always have a seat at my table. So Olivia, we'll start with you and, what, what do you think it means, what do you think it's like to be included at a table?
3: Yeah, so I learned my example of including people from my nana. Um, growing up, we would go to holidays and you would never know who would show up. There would be, we would think there'd be like 12 people and then like 30 would show up and you would have no idea whose name it was and she's always done like a really good job of including people. Um, and I've just been able to see how it makes a difference in people's lives. Um, and just knowing the little things about people and inviting them in, um, can really just bring people joy. And a lot of times, especially now, like we always think about ourselves. And so giving us an opportunity to like extend that, that joy to others, um, has really opened my eyes. Um, and it's now one of my favorite things as well to kind of bring people to the table and let them know that they're
0: seen. Danica, I think you were going to build on a similar theme of that. So why don't you go next?
5: Yes. Yeah, so during the holidays, we tend to often invite people who we notice don't really have a place to go for the holidays to come and join us at our table. And it's just so apparent how grateful people are to have a place where they are both wanted and seen and I feel very grateful to get to also experience that at Peachtree. When we moved to Atlanta, we were talking about what we thought made Peachtree so special, and we kept using the words "unexpected togetherness" to describe the community here that is so unique and so beautiful.
0: Brody, what about you? Uh, so
2: my place of like inclusiveness at the table comes from like my own experience of like um, trying to fit in. So. About like 12 years ago, I moved here from Boston, and I ended up coming in September enrolling at Jackson Primary in first grade, but they started school in August, so it was like kind of awkward like coming into that place of like, not knowing anyone the school year had already started. But my friend, my now friend, a uh, stranger then, Connor Parton, uh, first day walked in, first week, was just always there to greet me and have me sit at his table, lunch table, and uh, introduce me to a bunch of the friends that I still call today. and. That's why like I now like like as Olivia and Danica both said, love to like include people on like part of the new student committee at Holy Innocence and it's just great to like invite people and show them like all the great things that like at, at Holy Innocence, like what we do there.
4: How about you, George? Uh for me the idea of the table is all about com- companionship and accountability. And I feel like I've really found that here uh, at Peachtree with the guys who show up week in, week out, um, to just pour into me and just talk through things and realize that we're all in this together and that none of us have a perfect life or a perfect relationship with Christ, but that we're all striving for that same goal um, and growing together uh, as friends and also as followers of Christ.
0: So so David has this uh, extraordinary act of kindness that he gives to Mephibosheth and this image and this experience of being included at the table. And it is not long before the wheels just fall off of David's life. and you know, here's David having to still learn, having to still confess, having to still grow. So he's having to go through an aha moment in this story because one of the more insidious things about our life with brokenness and with sin is you don't necessarily know it's sin when you're in the midst of it yourself. And so what I'd love for the four of you to share with us from your experience, when's a time when the light bulb has gone off for you? When's a time when you've realized something that you didn't that you didn't really know before, and George, will kick off with you.
4: Yeah, so one moment that comes to mind for me was uh, a couple years ago when my grandfather passed away. It was a Sunday morning, I was here at Peachtree, and uh, my sister pulled me out of the middle school room, we rushed to the hospital, um, and just that afternoon as my grandfather passed away, and the weeks that followed, I, I kept just kind of doubting my faith and kind of wondering why it happened. Uh, but coming from that, it's really taught me to cherish every day as a blessing from God, um, and just to, not take for granted these special moments with the people we love, but to take advantage of every opportunity we get.
0: Olivia, what about you?
3: So I've been lucky to grow up at Peace Tree, um, and I've just had the best time, but I've had a few friends recently where um, unfortunately their experience with the church hasn't been the same. Um, And so that kind of led me to the whole revelation that like we put the church on a pedestal, but in reality the church is made up of broken and imperfect people um, and kind of- I hadn't
0: noticed at all.
3: (laughs) Um, and so I still haven't really come to a conclusion but kind of trying to figure out how to bridge the gap between people like me who have just seen God's grace and wonder like continually throughout my life and then others who've been hurt by people and associate that with the kingdom and just kind of trying to figure out how I can bridge that gap and bring them into the wonder and the grace that I know.
0: Hey Danica, how about you?
5: When I moved here from California I learned that home is not... Where, like a place or a city, but home is wherever God is. And since God is the same in Atlanta as he was in Newport Beach or anywhere else in the world, I learned that I will always get to be at home.
0: Go ahead, Brody.
2: Uh, yeah, the college process has definitely taught me a thing or two. Uh, definitely that God will sometimes close some doors to then open others. So like through these like denials, deferrals, uh, wait lists of just like those closing doors of schools that like I always wanted to go to. But then opening a new door at TCU that I never thought of going to, but like now that I am excited to go there, I like see the community that I'll have there, and like how my faith like will prosper. It's definitely like where he wanted me to go, and just like open the door that I never saw.
0: Listen, the way that that Nathan confronts David is with a story, and uh, stories are one of the primary vehicles by which we wake up and experience something we didn't experience before, Eugene Peterson says, a story is a verbal act of hospitality. And so I imagine in your own faith journeys, um, there's been stories for you that have really stuck with you. And so Danica, you go first for this one. What's a story that has really impacted you?
5: So Leslie Lambert, who is one of our youth leaders shared a story with me. She was on a mission trip in India and was serving at one of the homes for girls that helps girls that have been trafficked. And it's a place of kind of recovery and a place for them to be able to learn how to live and launch off. And a very popular career choice for girls who graduated from the program is a flight attendant. It gives them a chance to travel and see the world and kind of leave behind what happened to them in India. And so she was talking with this one young woman and asked what she wanted to do when she graduated, expecting her to say that she wanted to become a flight attendant. But to her surprise, the young woman said that after college, she wanted to come back and work there at the home so that she could help young women who went through similar things to what she did. And I found that such a beautiful reminder that sometimes God calls us to leave the hurt behind us and sometimes God calls us to redeem the pain through helping others.
0: George, how about you?
4: Yeah, so uh, throughout high school, I've been pretty involved with UNICEF club in my school. And with that come a lot of amazing stories. But specifically, I remember my sophomore year We were doing a fundraiser for clean water inequality and we were uh, looking at pictures and hearing stories about these children who were in similar age to me um, who had to walk miles every day to get water for their families and I was just amazed by their smiles and their joy in doing that Um, and since then I've just really you know embraced the fact that God is working no matter what the situation is, it may seem horrible, it may seem like everything's falling apart, but God is working, Uh, so have joy in that and realize that there is better times to come.
0: Brody, how about you?
2: Uh, Yeah, so one day I was scrolling through Instagram and I happened to find upon a PGA post about a young boy around six years old named Tommy. Um, He had lost his right arm through childbirth, but, um, He still loved golf and his parents, I believe, quoted to reporters saying that they wake up every day not wanting to see Tommy's limitations so that he believes he doesn't have that. And that's kind of been really inspiring to me, just like to look past like the limitations that we ourselves kind of like put up like those walls that will set in front of us and like, try to like live every like day with like a glass half full mentality.
0: Olivia.
3: So if you know me, you know that I love politics, which confuses most people. But um, I had an opportunity to hear someone speak, um, and he worked at the White House, and um, he talked about how, in uh, like our government, we place too many burdens on the presidency, and we expect all of um, the one, this one guy or girl to do um, multiple jobs, and that we place uh, them as like our moral center. Um, and kind of afterwards, uh, my friends and I were talking and that story really impacted us because we started thinking about how, um, we can apply that to modern day Christianity as well. Um, because as Christians, uh, a lot of us have goals to do multiple things and like whether that's, um, fighting for a cause or being leaders in our city, we're expected to do all of that while being perfect and while like bringing others into the church. Um, and so I think that, um, that's really kind of, um, hard for us. And so um, I believe that we could focus more on um, acknowledging our flaws within Christianity and also realizing that it's the day-to-day stories that make most, of, um, make most of an impact and not like the big lofty impossible goals of changing the world.
0: When you, when you think about the person of Jesus, one of, the, one of the great descriptions of Jesus is that he was full of two things. He was full of both grace and truth and it's only when we look at multiple snapshots when we when we bring multiple lenses to the bible you know we can't look at david and we can say uh you can't look at his life and say that he wasn't a hero because he was a hero he was a hero to god's people and you can't look at the life of david and not look at him and say he was incredibly flawed and so one of the things that we need to learn by you know expanding our perspective on this is being able to read the whole story of God and being able to draw off of the extraordinary moments of kindness and those moments when we are are at our weakest and we have to learn and we have to grow and we have to confess um I don't know about y'all But when I have conversations like this, I get incredibly encouraged for our city, for our country, for our future. Can we thank our four seniors for leading us today? And let me close this in a prayer. Father above, we're incredibly grateful for the blessings of every conversation, every prayer, every act of kindness and love and story that you've entrusted to these students who are now being sent out into the world, heading to college and beyond in order for them to live their lives of faith and of mission and of purpose. Lord, expand our perspective Help us to not just see a story at a time, but for us to be able to see with incredible depth of perception and for us to be able to focus on what you want us to be able to see. And so God, if we need to be confronted this morning, will you confront us with the truth? Give us a revelation, an aha. If we need to be comforted and we need to experience your kindness, will you give that to us by your spirit? And most of all, As we attempt to be faithful in this day and age, as we attend to your kingdom, may we look to you as our one true king, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said...